the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, friend, it really doesn't matter how bad things get in life for us. You can flee the troubles of your life into the presence of God in the heavenly Jerusalem. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, The New Jerusalem and the wife of the Lamb. That's the New Jerusalem and the life of the Lamb. And don't forget, you can always find this message online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Dear Lord God, children, teach us to worship right. Because out of the mouth of babes, praise is perfected. Lord, may our hearts be won to you by the living word and by the love of God this day. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you want to get to the New Jerusalem? All of this sojourning here on earth. I want to get to heaven. I want to live forever in a place called heaven that moves to earth at the end of the millennium that becomes our eternal home. The New Jerusalem will be the wife of the Lamb. We saw a horrific example of evil played out on television on the open news. Did you see that? I mean, Florida has gripped our attention. Nicholas Cruz, a 19-year-old man who was deeply troubled, marched into a school in Florida with voices directing his actions in his head. The police called them demons. And, you know, I believe they were demons. You know, this secular world we live in, well, there's no such things as devils. Yeah, there are devils. Evil is alive in the 19th and 20th century. We can see it historically. We saw it in Florida. And you don't need to call them demons to know that what happened to those children in that school and to those school teachers was evil, unmitigated evil. A troubled young man expelled from school on the heel of his mother's death chose to kill and inflict suffering with bullets to end the voices in his head. He took life at the door. He went into the school before he even got into the door. He took life right there. And then he marched into that school and he hit the fire alarm so the halls would empty and everyone would come out into the hall so he could mow down as many people as he possibly could Because that day he wanted to kill. He took out his AR-15, purchased freely with many bullets, purchased freely. And he ended the hopes and dreams of many parents and the lives of children. I mean, it got to me when I saw that. Did it get to you a little bit or a lot? It affected me deeply. Nicholas Cruz is now famous He wanted to become famous, and that he is, because he has entered the lives of enough children to catch the attention of the world. And the school system is making a decision whether or not they'll ever send a child back into that school because they're looking to tear down the whole school and build a new one because no child should have to live with the memory of what happened. 
Friends, we are living in a world in which there is evil. And in this world, evil like this cannot be reversed by simply wishing it away and trying to say, well, we need to be positive. No, it's here to stay. As long as the days and nights of this kind of timeline are here, evil is here. And if there's not a new beginning one day, and I'm looking for a day in which this kind of thing doesn't happen, a day when evil dies, when day and night kind of time goes away, and a new day with light and life dawns for the human race. Dear heart, we worship a God who will destroy evil. I say that calmly and directly. We worship a God of love who will destroy evil evil. God will not passively resist evil at the end of time. The Bible teaches that the great God of love will engage it directly. He will drag it out of the grave in the second resurrection of condemnation at the end of the millennium. He will not leave it in the ground. He will not passively ignore it for all eternity. It will have to face a tribunal and the great God of love will destroy evil. There will come a day when it will no longer exist. When you stand in the shadow of the kind of suffering, you can hear the voices of parents who lost children who are longing for a day when justice will reverse the course of history and love will win in the end. You long for a day when evil stands on trial and evil dies so love can linger on and live forever and ever and ever. The Bible teaches us plainly that sinners will not live forever in a place called hell because hell itself is a place where evil dies. I grew up in a faith tradition where I was taught that people would be burned forever and ever in a place called hell, and hell was maybe in the center of the earth. And my mom said, you know, I was reading a book, and it, they said that the Russians, they had this drilling bit that they were doing oil drilling. They drilled all the way down, and someone was listening near the oil rig, and they heard the voices from hell coming up from the earth. I said, Mom, do you really believe that? Now, my mom was mentally ill when she said that. But there are well-meaning Christians who believe that kind of thing. Maybe it's in the center of the earth or some dimension where people are roasted like your grill on a summer forever and ever and ever. And they somehow think that that's a God of love that does that. Friend, if God causes evil to live forever in a place called hell, then God himself is evil because God keeps evil alive forever and ever and ever. And you've got to connect the dots on that one. If God himself is the cause of evil living on, then God becomes evil. The Bible does not surrender this view of hell that was taken directly from pagan religions and brought into the Christian church in the 3rd to 6th centuries. The Bible has a clear picture that if we understand the language correctly, we see a God of love who triumphs over evil. Now I want to focus at this point on the city of Jerusalem. Has anyone ever been to Jerusalem? I want to go to Jerusalem. I have been reading a book by Ernest L. Martin who was a meteorologist who wrote the best book on Golgotha ever written because he has nailed historically and biblically where Jesus died. No doubt about it. And I have confirmation from the spirit of prophecy that he is correct. Jesus died at the summit of the Mount of Olives, south of the altar of the Reft Heifer, in direct line of view to the veil of the temple. One of these days I'll give you a copy of my sermon on that point. I'll demonstrate a little bit here. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation 11, 1-2. Because Jerusalem has always been in the crosshairs of evil from the time when sin began in heaven to the time in which sin will end at the end of the millennium. Jerusalem is in the center of the struggle with good and evil. Revelation 11, 1-2. 
I was given a measuring rod like a staff. John is writing. And I was told, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Verse 2, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations. And they will trample over the holy city for 42 months. Now what we have here is a picture of a pre-advent investigative judgment that is of heavenly concern prior to the end of the world. That is the context of this verse. In fact, the unsealing of the book of Daniel is pictured very clearly in Revelation chapter 10. So as soon as we have the book of Daniel opened, we have the language of investigative judgment right here in Revelation 11, 1-3. Verse 1 describes the pre-advent investigative judgment when the universe examines the character of God and God's people, but most definitely God's character as a relates to God's dealings in the church throughout the Middle Ages and really throughout all time. Now, if you read the Bible carefully, you will understand that God himself is on trial in the Bible. In fact, there are many Bible scholars outside of our church tradition who recognize that fact that God himself is on trial. The Bible is set in a legal context, a court judicial context. There are many places in Scripture where the heavens and the earth bear testimony to the truth of God. That's a legal concept. And so the universe is watching, and they are witnesses that the court is now in session. In Revelation 14, it says the hour of God's judgment has come after 1798. So the book of Daniel reveals and and declares in clear terms in Daniel 7, it says the books were opened, and millions of extraterrestrial beings, angels, are present in the judgment at the end of time. Now, we're living at a time in our church... When this core tenet of our faith has been discarded by people who are no longer studying their Bibles. Are you listening to me? And many of them masquerade as intellectuals, but they're ignorant of the Bible. This teaching is so biblically solid that it ties the issue of theodicy together in a knot in a way that God himself is vindicated if you don't run away from the biblical teaching. And people have somehow come to believe that this teaching of a pre-advent judgment is counter to the truth of the apostolic gospel. That somehow it puts our acceptance with God on trial. No, it does not. Because, dear heart, at the heart of this teaching is the truth that the Christ who died on the cross for you comes before the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7, is presented before Him for you as your proxy substitute in the judgment so you do not need to face the tribunal of God before Jesus returns. Christ Himself will confess your name before the Father. Is that good news or bad news? That is very good news. We need to understand the teaching of the investigative judgment. The book of Revelation teaches us that at the time of the end, God will judge the church corporately before he issues a final reward and he will vindicate his people. Now, if you've never been in trouble and you've never been attacked, then you won't appreciate what it means to be vindicated. We need the judgment. So in Revelation 11 verse 1, to measure the altar means to assess the work of Jesus Christ for his people at the cross as our great high priest in history. See, the universe wants to know how effective was the love of God in Christ for sinners And they're going to get a chance to see that. And they also want to know who hung in there and did not give up on Christ because they will form the final Jerusalem at the end. Has the gospel done its work? Has it made a difference? And so the questions of faith, loyalty, piety, and endurance are assessed in this measuring of the heavenly temple. In Revelation 11, 2, the Gentiles are excluded from this pre-advent judgment of believers. That means unbelievers are not considered. It's only a focus on believers. 
And so when this judgment is over, God's people will be gathered into a single family made up of unfallen angels and human beings who take their place. And the old Jerusalem that was who knows how many ages in the past existed in heaven will be replaced by a new Jerusalem, a new kingdom that will become the kingdom of this world. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. And so to reward his people at the end, God must destroy evil at the end to create a new Jerusalem. How many of you like to have all that hardship that you struggle with in the week go away? You want to have a new week? I do. How many of you would like to never again lay a loved one in the grave? Wouldn't that be great? To wake up and the next day is better than the last and it gets better and better and better and it never ends. Now, the devil is angry with Jerusalem because he doesn't want to see a day like that. Revelation eleven eighteen. The nations raged. This is describing the very end of time before Jesus returns. Thy wrath came. And notice what it says. The time for the dead to be judged. That is the investigative judgment that the Bible teaches in Scripture. And notice here the focus of that judgment. For rewarding thy servants. It's not of the wicked. You see, the Gentiles are excluded. It's not for the unbelievers. It's for those who love Christ. Why is this judgment of the dead? It says... For rewarding thy servants. How many of you want to get a reward? Do you? Now, how big a reward do you want? You want a small one or a big one? I want a big reward. But you know what? Your reward is directly proportional to your commitment to Christ in the timeline right now. So as you give, you will get. As you are committed, you will receive at the end. And so the purpose of this judgment is to give reward to God's people. Notice it says the prophets and saints. Now, are the prophets and saints alive today? They're dead for the most part, right? There are some living saints. Prophets are gone. So that's the judgment of the dead. But notice the syntax of the next verse. And those who fear thy name. It moves from the dead to the living. That's a present tense verb. And so the judgment at the end moves from those who have died to those who are alive, God's people, both small and great, and then it is to destroy the destroyers of the earth. Christ will come at the end, and this world will be devastated at the end of the investigative judgment. And then it goes on to say, then God's temple in heaven was open. Now let's just think about that. God's temple is God's sanctuary, yes or no? Am I right? All right, is it sanctuary in earth or in heaven? It's in heaven. Now look what it says here. Let the verse teach you something. The ark of his covenant was seen where? It says in his temple, and that's in heaven. Now, how many rooms were in the Hebrew tabernacle in the Old Testament? The holy and the most holy. And what piece of furniture was in the most holy place? The Ark of the Covenant. So what is the attention of this pre-advent judgment? Is it the holy place or the most holy place in Revelation 11? You see, God has opened the way at the end of time for the final generation to know God inside the most holy place where Christ stands before His Father as our great high priest and judge and advocate. And you know what He does there? It's not rocket science. He says, if you don't deny me, He's looking to this judgment when He says the statement, 
I will confess your name before my Father and the holy angels. I mean, let that go into your DNA. Have you ever had someone deny you and say, well, I don't like being that person's friend. What an awful person that is. And you heard it. You ever had that happen to you? And maybe you can think, well, maybe I was an awful person when they said that. To be denied is an awful feeling. For Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, to stand before his Father and to say, Father, Brother Sam and Sister Sue are imperfect. But in me, they are perfect because my love is all-encompassing. And they have endured to the end. They have not denied my name. They love me. And Father, I'm going to change them. I'm going to change their nature to where they're never tempted to do evil again. But before I do that, I want to ask you by name. I confess Sue. I confess Sam as mine before you. I suffered on the cross of Calvary for them. Will you give them to me in the judgment? And one name at a time from righteous Abel to the end in that proxy judgment without us sweating in our shoes because Christ is representing us, we are received into the final Jerusalem, the kingdom of God that will be brought to this earth and we will be ushered in to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. I am very thankful for the teaching of the investigative judgment because of what it affirms, the cross of Christ. Now, friend, the church was attacked in history for 42 prophetic months in Revelation 11:2, which is 1,260 prophetic days or 1,260 literal years. Defined by context as the Middle Ages when the church-state system of the Middle Ages became the Antichrist of the Middle Ages. And John calls this body of unbelievers that attack the church Gentiles because if you do not have Christ, if you are not faithful to His Word, you may be a Christian by name, but you are by name only. If you attack God's people, you are a Gentile. But when the Middle Ages came to an end and the Napoleonic revolutions and the like, it looked to heaven like the church itself would not survive the terrible persecutions of the Middle Ages. But you see, in God's holy plan, which cannot be sped up or delayed, God often waits to see as if it will appear as if the church fails and falters. God waits until a test to see who will hang in there. And so it was. And then He moved in the 1800s in the appearance of the great Advent movement to raise up the church of the Middle Ages, to create a people committed to the Bible, committed to Jesus, that would be catalytic in proclaiming the three angels and bringing Christ back to earth. Now there's a sleeping giant out there. You know what that sleeping giant is? That sleeping giant is the evangelical Christian world that loves Jesus Christ. And what they are clamoring for, what they are yearning for is an understanding of prophetic truth to link with the Jesus they love. And we, dear hearts, have that because of how we have been led through history to this time at the end of the prophetic periods. So Jesus spoke of Jerusalem's trial in this way as the struggle of history itself against the city of God. Turn to Luke 21. Let's look at verse 23 and 24. He says, Alas for those who are with child and for those who give suck in those days. In other words, He cares about our kids. That's good. For great distress will be upon the earth and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword, be led captive among all nations. He's quoting Daniel 11.33 there. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now we've learned from Revelation 11, that's the 42 months, the 1260 days, the Middle Ages. You see, Jerusalem's not just a city. Jerusalem is a people. And so the attack upon Jerusalem is the attack upon the Christian church of the Middle Ages. 
I've read the horrific history of what transpired and people who think that you can get together and compromise God's Word with people of a mindset who, if they could, would destroy those who believe in the Word of God. It's foolishness. Friends, we must unite upon the Scripture and the love of God in Christ, not upon anything else. Evil seems to win as children die at the hands of evil men. And when the church, the Jerusalem of God, is trodden down by evil people, Jesus is saying that there will come a day when evil men will not win anymore. There will come a day when the times of the Gentiles are over and Jerusalem will rise again. There will come a day when the holy city will no longer be attacked and the truth will prevail and love will win in the end and evil will go away. I mean, I'm telling you, that makes me feel good to think of that day. God's interaction with the world, our world, can be divided into three distinct eras. Number one, epics, periods of time where he approached this group and then this group and finally the last group. Number one, the time of general unbelief that led up to the time of the formation of the nation of Israel from creation to Abraham. That's a distinct period in the history of the world. It's a period in which there is no Bible. It's a period in which God is working through angelic messengers, the angel of the Lord, and we don't know all the facts on the ground, but he's nonetheless working to prepare the day for the scriptures to come to human history. Number two, Then the time came, the second era, when God chose Abraham and he formed a family and from him a nation, the Jewish nation. And why did he form them? To create a community that would bring us the Messiah and a community that would give us the Bible through prophetic witness through the centuries, the Word of God. You know, when I hold in my hand the Bible, and if you have a Bible, why don't you take it out and hold it in your hand? I hear this stuff from people who don't study saying, well, the Bible's a human book full of all these errors and stuff. Now, I'm a student of linguistic chiastic analysis. I've been doing it for 20 years. And I'm telling you that this Bible is an information grid. Inspiration forms an information grid that is beyond smart. And each individual author linked to another, the Bible becomes a single document in the 16th century as the New Testament canon was coalesced into the Protestant canon of the Bible. And the entire mix, as we now have it, is a linguistic chiastic structure. How do I know? Because I've run it linguistically deep into the New Testament from Revelation and deep into the Old Testament from the book of Genesis, and it is tight. Now I'm telling you, we hold in our hand the Word of God. And God has taken His mind. It has been diffused into the prophets, and thus the utterances of the man become the Word of God. We have been instructed, it's not just the thoughts of the Bible that were God-directed, but the writing of the Bible. Dear heart, we have in the last 30 years been struggling with a view of inspiration that was unknown to the apostolic church, that was unknown to the Reformation, and that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard of the gift of tongues in the Bible? Yes or no? You ever hear of it? Now, in the gift of tongues, what happens inside the brain? The Holy Spirit works in the brain with that gift, right or wrong. All right, the Holy Spirit goes in, and so when someone's trying to preach the Word of God, they're able to speak in a language they never learned, correct? So the Holy Spirit interacts with the language centers of the brain at a level that is beyond smart so that they can share the gospel. That's what happened in the apostolic era. Now, when you look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's at the bottom of the list, Prophecy is way high up on the list. 
Why would the gift of prophecy be so inferior to what was the gift of tongues that God could not direct the person to be accurate in the use of their language so that his word would be diffused in the life of the prophet? Why would he have to surrender so much to the humanity of the prophet that God's word could not get through? Friend, it makes no sense. If that lesser gift is this way, the higher gift is much more profound and compelling. We hold in our hands the Word of God. And people died to give us the Bible we now possess. Treasure it. So the Jewish people raised up for that purpose. Daniel 9.24. Here's a prophecy that pointed forward to it. Seventy weeks of years are decreed for your holy city. To finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a holy of holies. A transition from a holy city to a more holy city. A transition from a sanctuary on earth to one in heaven. A transition from an old Jerusalem to a new Jerusalem. And then number three, third era. The time of the Gentiles followed the era of Jewish opportunity here defined as 70 weeks or 490 prophetic years. And why was it given? It was given so that the Gentiles could have an opportunity to have what the Jewish people had, the Word of God, the Gospel, and a chance to know Christ and live forever. The grace of God extended out to the world. Now when you look at this text here in Daniel 9, the Messiah would come to do a number of things to finish the transgression. That's a definite article in Hebrew. To put it into the sin in Hebrew. It's not in the English, but it's in the Hebrew. And then it says to atone for iniquity. And that is exactly how it is in the Hebrew. You see, as he was dealing with the sin and transgression of the Jewish people, Daniel is careful to put forward here that he was concerned about all people. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your Heart yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE that's 888-244-4673 you can donate right there on the website reaching yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE thanks for listening and as always we do pray that God is reaching your heart three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal Flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.